Hello and welcome, my name is Luca Rossi and I'm the co-deputy editor here at Reorg. This week I'll be joined by legal analyst Sean Kureshi, who will be giving us the background on Premier Oil and its scheme of arrangement, and by our financial analyst Cedric Cassan, who will talk to us about the Italian paper manufacturer Fedrigoni. Sean, we've heard that uh, Asia Research Capital Management is preparing to submit a legal challenge to Premier Oil's Scottish scheme of arrangement. What's uh, the background here? Thanks, Luca. That's right. So ARCM has a 455 million position in their Premier Oil's $2.4 billion net debt stack. And under Premier Oil's existing override agreement, certain transactions require two-thirds consent from each class of creditor to go ahead. Now, Premier Oil is seeking to use a Scottish scheme of arrangement to both extend the majorities, the maturities of its existing debt instruments and also to bypass that two-thirds consent requirement in its override agreement to allow it to make acquisitions. What are those acquisitions? Well, Premier Oil wants to buy certain oil fields, specifically the Andrea area and Shearwater assets from BP, for around $625 million dollars. ARCM, however, as a creditor, has used its rights under the override agreement to block these acquisitions. The fund believes the investment is risky and may impact the company's ability to refinance or repay its debt in 2023. Further, it believes that the assets may come with significant decommissioning liabilities, which may be payable sooner than expected. Okay, interesting. So it looks like uh, it's um, ARCM against the company and the rest of the creditors group, uh, or... Who else is involved and what's happened so far? Well, apart from ARCM, there's an ad hoc lender committee consisting of Alcentra, Fortress, VARD Partners and Voyeur Insurance. There's the holders of the US private placement notes. And finally, there's a group of RCF lenders. Now, about 86% of the super senior commitments and just over 75% of the senior commitments have agreed to vote in favour of this Scottish scheme at the creditor meetings. Now, on January 16th, Premier Oil appeared in the Scottish court before Lady Wolf for its convening hearing. The company proposed the scheme should have just two classes of creditor, one for the super senior RCF and one for the rest of the creditors. ARCM challenged the class composition, among, amongst other things. At the hearing, Lady Wolf was aware of the points, ARCM argued. However, she was bound by Scottish procedural precedent, which dictated that class composition challenges should be made at the sanction hearing. The judge, therefore, allowed the scheme to proceed with the creditors' meeting scheduled for the 12th of February and the following sanction hearing for March the 17th. Now, at the time, the judge suggested that any grounds for challenge could be submitted before the creditors' meeting and that such challenge could be heard before the Scottish court. Okay, so on what legal grounds could uh, ARCM challenge the scheme? Well, non-exhaustively, ARCM will likely target three things. Firstly, the proposed class composition. Second, the use of a solvent scheme to amend contractual arrangements. And finally, the fairness of the scheme. ARCM would prefer a class composition similar to the one we, we saw in the override agreement made after Premier Oil's 2017 restructuring. However, as we said, Premier Oil's current proposed scheme only includes two classes of creditors. The first class consisting of all creditors, aside from the super senior creditors, who will vote in a second class. Under the traditional test for what constitutes a scheme class, the scheme, the class must be confined to those persons whose rights are not so dissimilar as to make it impossible for them to consult together with a view to their common interests. Now, the current proposed class composition does not give ARCM a blocking right. 
If a five or other class composition is used, the fund could block the scheme as 75% consent by value and 50% by number is required from every class in a scheme. Then there's a fairness issue. The court will test whether the scheme of arrangement is such as an intelligent and honest man acting in respect to his own interests might reasonably approve. At the sanction hearing, the court will usually be of the view that if the creditors are acting on sufficient information and with time to consider what they are about and have acted honestly, they are much better judges of what is to their commercial advantage than the court can be. Finally, there's the matter of whether the scheme is a solvent or insolvent scheme. Can you explain the distinction here to those who might not be familiar with it? Sure. So schemes have historically been used where a, a company would be facing insolvency absent the scheme being implemented. That's when they're restructuring schemes. But where the scheme company has not yet entered into insolvency proceedings, it will provide what's called an insolvency comparator in its evidence to the court. Uh, The insolvency comparator would be used to demonstrate that absent the scheme, creditors would face much larger losses than those proposed under the debt restructuring. And this is the justification for the amendment of their contractual rights. Premier Oil, however, does not appear to be presenting an insolvency comparator, and the company does not appear to be facing insolvency absent its proposed scheme. In this sense, the proposed scheme is a solvent scheme rather than an insolvent scheme. Such solvent creditor schemes have historically been used by large insurance companies rather than companies wishing to amend their debt structure. Premier Oil is attempting to amend both the terms of its debt documentation and the existing override agreement. It could be argued that if Premier Oil is successful, it could set a precedent whereby scheme companies, which are not insolvent, can use the process to amend their general contractual obligations. The obvious counter-argument to this is that the scheme of arrangement is a tool found in the Companies Act, not the Insolvency Act. So there's no actual obligation for a scheme company to be insolvent for it to use the process to amend its contractual obligations. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Cédric, uh, who are Federigoni and why they are coming to the market? Yes, Lucas. So Federigoni, it's an Italian paper company. On a LTM basis, EBITDA is 157 million euros. The margins have been relatively stable over the last five years, around 12-13%. The company was LBO'd by Bain Capital in 2017 for an enterprise value of 60, 650 million euros. Sorry, The multiples of the transaction was 4.7 times. 450 million of bonds were issued at the time. Since that, the news flow, I would say, has been relatively low-key. Um, the company has issued a tap on its, on its bonds of 125 million euros for an acquisition in 2018. Um, and now they are coming back to the primary market to fund another acquisition, 225 million euro, a company called Ritrama. It's an Italian paper company focused on specialty paper. Fedrigoni's product offering is centered around four, I would say, businesses. You have premium paper, you have security paper, you have self-adhesive paper, and you have commodity paper. Um, in the self-adhesive paper, they are market leader in wine labels in Europe with 34% market share. They are the second largest player globally. In security paper, they have 20% market share globally in banknotes. 
In specialty papers, they have a 13% market share. They have recognized brands and highly margined operations. Interesting. How will the new capital structure look like after the acquisition and the, the new notes? So, pro forma for those transactions, the capital structures will be around 900 million euros large. The notes will be senior secured obligations, ranking pari passu with existing notes, which are 600 million euros. Contractually, the notes will be subordinated to the super, super senior RCF, which is Andron, and they'll be structurally subordinated to 60 million of opcoded. The existing notes, 600 million euros, they mature in 2024. They are callable at par from this year. And the new notes will mature in 2026. As per estimates, pro-forma net leverage before cost savings will jump to 4.2 times, for 3.3 times. Retrama, which is the new acquisition, will add about 30 million euros of EBITDA, and the expected cost savings, another 15 million euros. Okay, so we have... Uh Pro-forma leverage rising by nearly a turn based on EBITDA before cost savings. Is this something that investors should be worried about? So leverage is, is going to rise, that's for sure. But we think the deleveraging potential is there. Historically, the company has been, has been able to generate around 50 to 80 million of free cash flow every year, uh, except in 2018 where they were at break-even level. Generally speaking, if we assume that margins will be stable and capex do not pick up, something that we do not expect at this point, uh, interest cost will grow by about 10 million euros, we think they should be able to generate some free cash flows, especially when you, when you consider the new acquisition, the cash flows from the new acquisition. Also, looking at the portfolio of, of businesses that the company will have, There is probably some scope for asset sales if they are willing to. So overall, we have a relatively constructive view on the deleveraging story. Okay, interesting. What differentiates this paper credit, Fedrigoni, from the likes of, uh, I don't know, Lecta or Progest, which are making the headlines sometimes at least for the wrong uh, reasons? So the paper, pa the paper and packaging sector is currently facing uh, some challenges, right? Yes, paper credits are, are struggling, that's correct. Graphic paper, the demand is falling. Paper packaging, the demand is sluggish and prices are falling. Pulp prices have fallen too. So the credits like SAPI, Lecta, Progest, they are, they are, they are struggling. So overall, a, different, a, a difficult environment, I would say, and it's, it's not possible to take a blind approach on the sector. For Fedragoni, They operate in niche markets. They have solid market shares, and like in specialty paper, in fine paper for education, educa education and artist artistic purposes, for wine labels. Um, there is also brand, brand awareness, quality distribution, uh, distribution network are key factors. Demand is generally less sensitive to global economic trends. Prices are more sticky and there is greater scope to pass through cost increases in our view. Okay, interesting. Let's come back on uh, the deal of this week. Uh, was there anything worth uh, highlighting in your opinion? 
Um, I think the covenant package was the main talking point this, this time. The language around portability and dividend capacity from asset sales were seen as too sponsor-friendly by some investors. Two years ago, when the company issued the first bond, there was some pushback around, around those terms. They were removed, but however, not this time. So the deal priced below initial guidance, almost 40 to 60 basis points tighter. And during the book building, there were some large orders that came at in the last minutes. They were a bit unexpected, which supported the, the tightening. Is Bain Capital a more, let's say, aggressive sponsor than others in, in this market? Um, I'd say that according to our covenant analysts who look at the deals, who look at all the deals and produce in-depth analysis, the covenant flexibility around those two points it's, is fairly common in, in the current market. So I would say it's more a general trend than specific to Bain Capital. Cool. Thanks, Cedric. And thanks, everyone, for listening to our podcast. We will be here again in two weeks' time. Ciao.